If you're someone who has a passion, you should be following it. Enrich your community, focus on what you can do here, whether it's a business, an organization, an idea, an action to do it, um, because it's only through action that you can make change. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, Start Here heads to the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont to chat with Jeff and Jillian Sawaki, the husband and wife team behind Vermont's newest brewery, Whirligig Brewing. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber. And Dave Bradbury. Recording from Due North Coworking in Lindenville, Vermont. Today's episode is brought to you by the Vermont Small Business Development Center. Jillian and Jeff, hi. Hey, how are you? What's up? So psyched to be chatting with you guys today and taking start here on the road for the first time in a very long time. Thanks for having us up here to uh, do north during foliage season. It was quite a drive up today through Lamoille County and getting up here into Caledonia. Welcome. We're so happy to host you. Yeah, I really wish I had um, looked at the road a little bit more. I was distracted by the foliage, but I'm going to try on the way home to just like focus a little bit more. That's probably a good idea. Route two is a little, you know, dicey if you're not paying attention. (laughs) Totally. Um, So we're just, we're, I think Dave and I have been itching to get on the road. And then I think we saw the, um, was it VT Digger article on you? Um, a couple weeks ago and everything sort of clicked into place and we said, oh, we've been meaning to visit due North and see Evan Carlson. Um, and and then, oh my God, like Jillian's part of this too. So the, the stars sort of aligned. Um, but tell us a little bit about what is Whirligig Brewing? Well, Whirligig Brewing, I guess, is the co like the coming together of, uh, my personal passion, uh, for food and drink. Um, and Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Talk about the beers that you brew. Oh. <laughs> so um, I'm, I guess you, you, could, you could argue that I'm relatively new to brewing. Um, I only started brewing maybe six or seven years ago. I got a homebrew kit from my mother, um, which many people have done. But the second brew I did was an all-grain brew. And my third brew was a wild fermentation. Yes. Um, so I really sort of dove all in and read every single thing I could find on brewing, both in paper um, as well as uh, online. So I took a really deep dive, um, and I think it reflects in the beers that I brew. Um, While I try to respect um, tradition and how things are done, um, I haven't been doing it for so long that I'm tied to um, some sort of process or a way that I've been doing a particular beer for forever. So I think it gives me an opportunity to build a niche where I don't feel tied down um, and it's a benefit to the customer. Yeah. So it's like pretty experimental. Correct. So I'm working on a very small system, a single barrel brewing system, which um, for brewers and people familiar would be like, whoa, that's teeny tiny. Um, It's pretty much as small as you can go for a professional brewery and barely eke by. Um, But uh, to give some sort of scale, if you've ever seen a keg of beer, I can brew two kegs of beer with every time I brew, um, have a brew session. I love that because it's like, there's always something new, right? If you go visit Whirligig, you never know what you're going to get. Correct. So there may be some things I may keep in a rotation (laughs) every few months I might re-brew it. But, you know, every day I go in to brew, which is about twice a week and knock out, you know, one to four beers 
Um, it's just, you know, how I feel. What, what do I feel like today? What, what, what inspires me today? Is it some fruit? Is it some yeast that I have? Is it, you know, something I just recently read about? Is this something that one of our members talked about? Um, which actually our, our maple milk stout that we have on tap right now was an inspiration of both a member who really loves stouts. And so I was like, yeah, man, I really, really want to brew you a stout. And two, our, our, our malt producer, uh, uh, Peterson Quality Malt in Ferrisburg, Vermont. Um, Andrew does a really great job with malt. Um, but he's recently been going into some of the darker colored malts, which really um, allowed me, gave me that opportunity to brew a stout since we really try to focus on Vermont malt. Um, and, you know, right now all of our beers use 100% Vermont malt. So that's something. Wow, that's pretty unique then. Wow. Is that part of your, your signature, right? The, 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 the local sourcing of malts and sort of this creativeness to change it up based upon maybe what the harvest is, what's, what's in season or. That's a piece of it. Um, While I'm not a hundred percent tied to what is produced locally to source into the beer. um, I feel like my, I try to make my best effort to source it. So for example, all of our malt comes from um, Peterson quality malt. Um, There are some things that I can't source here, such as oats. Oats grow in Maine is the closest that I could find. So I source um, Maine oats. Maine Grain, actually, is the company I use. That's um, so cool. You essentially sound like a brewer that takes requests, which is pretty cool. <laughs> totally, right? With the turnaround? like um, I want to ask you about um, how, how you two met. Was it as a result of the business or how, how did you, how did you all come together and then figure out you wanted to get into business together? Cause that's, that's probably got some unique history and, and story too. Um, so we met uh, through friends of friends in New York city. Jeff was actually going to Vermont law school at the time and would come down and, and visit his college best friend who had married my college best friend. Um, and we started hanging out together. He moved to New York after he graduated and started hanging out. Very romantic, very cute. Um, and uh, we uh, spent our time in New York doing what people do in New York City, um, eating as much and drinking as much as we possibly could, consuming as much culture as we could. That's you know the experience living in Brooklyn. Uh, walking everywhere and um, uh, getting our foodie chops. (laughs) So that's really uh, what brought us together as a couple. And um, when we moved up here to Vermont, we uh, continued that passion. Um, Jeff is the sort of person who gets inspired by something and then dives in with two feet. So for quite a while, it was bread. So he got into baking and would bake everything and we would make all of our own sauces and all of our own salsas and all of our own everything. Um, I had a no can policy um, when we were living in New York, which was very difficult to do. Um, I had a couple exceptions, Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, we... We locked it in at least for maybe three months. That's a pretty good goal to set for yourselves because then it's like, well, we have to do this or else we're yeah. not going to eat. Um, and so that sort of background and, and you know, creating stuff together and 
consuming and, and tasting like must have led to some seed of an idea. But did you ever consider at that time going into business together? Was that something that you either of you wanted to do? No. I mean, really, we this came from Jeff's passion and the quality of the beer that he was producing was really amazing. Too good um, not to share. Too good not to share. And um, at the time, you were working at University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension, doing a lot of work with communities, but also uh, exploring um, uh, the market for breweries in this area, um, learning about innovation and entrepreneurship. And I think that seeded the idea. I don't want to speak for you, but does that no, sound about right? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, when I was working with these communities, mm-hmm. you know, I'd talk about, you know, if you're someone who has a passion, you should be following it, enrich your community, focus on what you can do here, whether it's a business, an organization, an idea, an action to do it, um, because it's only through action that you can make change um, and changes in the eyes of beholder. If your community wants to do X, Y, or Z, go for it, if that's what you're really passionate about. Um, and it takes people to step up to the plate and you know, I have we have been friends with folks in downtown St. Johnsbury um, and a brewery in downtown St. Johnsbury had always been a thing. Um, we're already blessed, I think, in St. J with uh, St. Uh, St. J just uh, brewing, which is in the Green Mountain Mall. Um, but the community really felt that they wanted a brewery in the downtown. Um, and as you said earlier, referencing back, it's in the stars. Um, I found my passion. Um, I actually fell in love with sour beer through Jill. Um, she built my love of wine, which was the first sort of alcoholic beverage I really truly enjoyed. We fell into wild ciders, mm-hmm. Spanish cider, particularly one of our friends brought it back, um, Basque mm-hmm. cider. Um, and just my, my enjoyment in cooking and just getting my hands um, into food and drink. Um, and then that piece of community economic development and entrepreneurship and, you know, just doing it, you know, that's, that's how you make change. Wow. It's so inspiring. Um, really. Yeah, I know. I got a little chill there. Um, Faye, we should just stop now. Um, (laughs) but I want to ask, you've only been open a few weeks, a few months, like when is it really open and what's it been like during COVID? We opened for to-go beer in the beginning of June, um, and we have had, this will be our sixth weekend open for the tap room. We have uh-huh. indoor and outdoor seating. And I think that delay was our our desire to reduce risk around COVID, um, but I think Vermont has done an extremely good job of of whatever they're doing to keep down the rates um, and the people in it and the people who travel through it. Um, so we made the decision to open the tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard, but I think it was necessary as a small business. You know, I, if you, the can format is wonderful to go beer is great, but in order for a brewery or a small business of our size to survive, we have to sell beer in a glass. Um, just the return on a on a to-go format is so small 
It literally will just keep the lights on. Uh, do you actually serve it in a glass or are you using plastic like everybody else? I so miss a tulip glass with a great Vermont beer in it. Like, like <laughs> I would never serve beer in a, a, a plastic cup. We're, so you don't have to worry. Oh, thank we're, goodness. We're I'll, fairly snobby about glassware. So we didn't we used to be. Glasses. Yeah. We, before we opened, we actually got a bunch of sample glasses and did the blind tasting mm-hmm. and it, it just, <laughs> the taste test sort of really directed our energies towards making sure I, we I have I love the it. I, I think that could be your differentiation beyond just the quality of the beers. <laughs> we actually have glasses for people. <laughs> yeah, that does make a surprising difference. Um, but I think, you know, Jeff, you make such a great point of like, you know, to go, we'll keep the lights on, right? But you said yourself, like one of the reasons you started this brewery is for the community aspect. And it's really hard to to build community, especially when something that didn't exist before the pandemic um, and not get people in the doors. So, um, you know, I think that that decision sort of says it all in terms of what you're building here. And, you know, even in the age of COVID, it's been great. You know, I wanted people to sit before COVID, wanted them to sit at the bar build community, meet new friends, meet old friends, gather with family. And yet, despite the restrictions of six feet um, and limited, you know, being in your little pod, your community or your friend's pod or your family pods, um, I've seen that happen. Um, I see people come with their family. I see them come with their friends. I see them meet new people six feet apart and have conversations the beauty of gathering spaces still exists. It's just different. Um, it's unfortunate that our infrastructure, our communities are built for close networking, um, but I think it's still there. And we, we all just have this deep desire to connect both with old and new. And I, I've seen it and it's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, Jill is part of the welcome wagon mm-hmm. um, and she brought a family and we, you know, we placed the tables six feet apart, and they were able to, you know, connect and have conversation. And, you know, there's kids and they're running around and yeah. it's, it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. what better way to be welcome to Vermont than come to my brewery that yeah, I have. Exactly. Can you talk a little bit about the Welcome Wagon Project? Yeah, so this is the Vermont Welcome Wagon Project. The Northeast Kingdom Young Professionals Network has a program here in the Northeast Kingdom Um, I signed up as a host pretty early on in the inception of that project because I um, saw how important it was moving back here to have connections outside of family connections, just uh, random people that you can call on and ask, um, uh, where should I go biking? What are the best trails? What's your favorite brewery? Let's meet up at the coffee shop. Um, forging those networks is really important. And um, I've been able to connect with, I want to say, four different groups now. And it's just been amazing. Um, Like Jeff said, um, bringing that young family to the brewery just gives them a a different experience, a hometown experience um, with people who, you know, we knew 30% of the people coming in the door saying, hey, how are you doing? And then you make that connection with this new family. So um, I love that there's a multiplier effect there. And it's been a real joy. Yeah. And a shout out to the NEKYPN. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're so good at what they do. Um, and before the Welcome Wagon, they actually had um, Connect Over Coffee 
um, which did basically the same thing. I thought that was really awesome. Um, and they were doing this before the welcome wagon was even a, a statewide thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've found out how it's even more important to make those intentional connections, right, right. than um, it was before COVID. It's, I think, one of the, you know, there are a few good things that are going to come out of this experience, I think, for all of us. And one of them is just those intentional connections. Yeah, um, could, I agree. We're, we're all starving for that. So you, we can become members at, at the brewery. Can you talk about what that means? Yeah, the the membership is... So many new businesses, as you may know, have like Kickstarters or Indiegogos. Um, and then on top of that, you know, relatedly, a lot of breweries have membership programs. Um, and we see it as an opportunity, one, to build a small amount of upstart dollars um, to help, you know, finance some of those smaller projects, like buying some fancy glasses or something like that. Um, but also get buy-in from the community and community support that isn't limited to like a Kickstarter Indiegogo where it has to happen within a certain amount of time um, or you don't get the money or you just stop getting money. Um, and it also allows us to engage with a customer base that's really into our beer. And it, it's cool. I mean, the first few people who bought in, of course, were our friends and family. But since we've been open it's actually an organic growth of people who really care and are passionate about what we're doing and about the beer. And it's great to see some of our regulars who are members who, you know, come in and they try just about every beer that's available. Um, I get to have a great conversation with them. And it's also cool to see people who have been regulars then decide to become members. I mean, not members, but regular drinkers of our beer and then become a <laughs> member. Um, and it really, you know, it shows the value that they're getting and that they, they really do deeply care about it. That's so cool. I mean, Dave and I are total suckers for like interesting, unique, thoughtful revenue streams. Mm -hmm. So I think that sort of like DIY Kickstarter kind of is, is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and what do folks get when they become members? Is there like a little exclusivity factor in there? Yeah. So there are two different types of memberships. So there's the annual memberships, which are $50 a year. Um, that comes with 10% off anything that you buy and some uh, free growler and some other perks with merch, I believe. Um, and then we have um, lifetime memberships. So there's an establishing member and a founding member. Those You talk about those. Yeah, there are two levels. One of them is more reasonable, right? It's a $200 uh, one-time cost. You get 10% for life. Um, you also have, you also get a free branded, or it comes with it, a, a branded Tiku glass, which is sort of the bee's knees of beer glasses. Dave is nodding. Yeah, you know totally, about the totally. <laughs> yeah, they, it's a wonderful glass, um, a wonderful format for really drinking just about anything. It'll elevate your water experience. That said, I don't want to poo-poo on that because I've heard about a bar someplace that so, that has all these different waters from all over the world. What? So there, there is, there is this it's probably $18 of a, a four ounce sample. So, <laughs> um, so it comes with a glass, um, and you also get invited to special events, et cetera, et cetera. And then the, the founding membership, which I don't expect anyone, but my friends to necessarily become a part of is a thousand dollar, uh, membership, um, that you get to name a barrel, in our brewery. Are you it's, kidding me? Yeah. We're, we're friends now, right? Yeah. Can Listen, yeah, I, I don't know why you're poo-pooing this. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I mean, Visa, yeah. we uh, we sponsor a dog sled team. 
last year because one of our student entrepreneurs at Middlebury was uh, was going to a big race and we love those puppies. Yay. Yeah, it's one of our proudest accomplishments, I would say. Um, yeah, put your logo on a barrel. So yeah, that's yeah. Really Sam, idea. I think we're going to have to figure out a way for VSET to, to, to get have gold, a permanent, permanent presence in downtown St. John's very could be Sweet. really nifty. Perfect. They're facing uh, Railroad Street right <laughs> along that window front there. Can be looking out. All right, we'll, we'll send, uh, we'll be perfect. there this afternoon to check it out. Great. Golden, golden uh, glasses too, um, only to those founding members. Well, I'm, 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 it's lunchtime during this taping, but I, I wish it were a happy hour all of a sudden. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, and can you talk about your roles? Yeah, we, we, I think we know the brewer. Yeah. Do, you, do you also brew too, Jill? No, I am uh, very much just a supporting. Marketing. Uh, marketing a little bit and uh, supporting the process. So uh, Jeff is really the boots on the ground for almost everything. Um, I'm the taster and uh, your quality control. Quality control. <laughs> you you did all the the design. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you did design of the space when we were getting going. Yep. Um, you helped with my business plan. Yep. Um, you helped with my cultivation. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. uh, it's t- hard to even put like founders roles into words, right? It's right. yeah. It's a little bit of everything, which it's whatever it takes. Right. I mean, they're now health officers with COVID yeah. and question. Um, have you used your law degree in any way? Yeah, you totally have. Yes. Okay. Right. Was, oh not gosh. a trick question. I'm just curious. The, I would say navigating all of the licensing requirements. Uh, you can do it without a law degree, but it definitely helped. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, all the legal documentation. Yeah. I understand all of that. I didn't do it myself because I, you know, a lawyer never does it the work themselves. They hire someone else <laughs> to do it. Totally. Um, uh, and I think, I think it also gives. People who may not have faith in me necessarily as a person, they see a law degree and they say, oh, well, you know, they went through law school. Maybe, you know, they could be be successful. They could be successful, I guess. Do you think that colors their experience of your beer? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. We'll have to find out, right? Yeah. Early days. To be deter- I, I, wonder if you're, I wonder if there are other examples of, of brewers that, you know, went to law school and then said that the hell with it, I'm, I'm going to explore my artistic side and my creative side a bit more so you know i think you could probably find a lot whenever i mean i'm in the lost people who've gone to law school circles and they're always like oh yes another one of my friends is becoming a, a former lawyer brewer <laughs> um i've also heard of bankers people in finance yeah that awesome could you tell us what the uh, nek entrepreneurship week is all about it's really exciting yeah, um, that's a week that we launched last year here at Do North Coworking. Um, it's an opportunity to celebrate the culture of innovation here in the Northeast Kingdom. Um, I think in Vermont and particularly in the NEK, um, there's a tendency, maybe some holdover from Yankee sensibilities, um, to not toot our own horns and not talk about what we're innovating and not talk about what we're doing well. And the focus of the week is to um, raise up the stories of innovators in our midst and also to shine a light on the resource partners that are right here 
um, who are uh, available and have all of these amazing programs and uh, incentives and support systems in place to help people who are looking to start or scale their businesses right here. Um, I know that um, VSET has uh, done so much for the Burlington area, um, and we just want to bring some of that um, focus on entrepreneurship um, out here to the Northeast Kingdom. Um, and we've got this week of events, all virtual events this year, of course, um, October 12th through 17th. Awesome. Uh, we're working with Center for Women in Enterprise, Center for an Ag Economy, um, the Foundry, Spark Makerspace, uh, VTSBDC, uh, and we are hosting events all week long. So we've got innovation challenges like our for Future of Forestry Hackathon, some traditional classes and workshops, and panel discussions. So cool. And so folks outside, now that it's virtual, folks outside the Northeast Kingdom can participate as well? Yeah, we're really excited about that, actually. Um, we, of course, want to uh, focus on the resource providers that are located right here and doing their work right here. But what a great opportunity to um, spread the word even more broadly. Awesome. I, I can't wait to watch the Forestry Hackathon on Friday afternoon. Yeah, Remote from home and I'm going to get a whirly gig bottle to, to do That's that. perfect. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be uh, broadcasting live on Facebook Friday evening. And um, we had a Future of Forestry hackathon last year where these um, teams came up with such amazing, amazing solutions to problems in the forestry sector. This year they have a, a week to do this. So what they're going to come up with is just going to knock everyone's socks off. So cool. We Yeah, we can't wait. And um, you know, just to backtrack a little bit and, you know, do you want to mention your role as yeah. the operations coordinator, right? That's at, right. Yeah. Do North, North Coworking. And um, you and Evan both have just been such great partners to VSAT. And, um, you know, we always love coming in here and it's, you know, it's pretty amazing. You walk in during a pandemic and it still feels vibrant and it mm -hmm. still feels um, like a great sense of community and innovation. Um, so if you want to tell our listeners just a little bit about Do North for folks that might not know, I know Dave certainly uses it when he's mountain biking, so. <laughs> hey, don't out me like that. So, that I mean, I didn't nice. say today. Located well, conveniently. The bike is on the car. I got to fess up. So. <laughs> Just down the road from the Kingdom Trails network in East Burke, um, do North Coworking. We're a co-working space in downtown Lindenville, um, but we're also a center for innovation and connection. And um, because we're actually part of the of Northern Vermont University, education is a really core part of our mission as well. So we provide um, a really inspiring and professional place to work for uh, remote workers and startups and freelancers uh, who need someplace outside their home or someplace with really high-speed internet to get some work done. Um, but then we also provide entrepreneurship programming. Uh, we have a lot of partners in the area who we work with to provide either virtual or in-person office hours. Um, and we celebrate the stories of entrepreneurship. We did um, uh, most recently a series that we called Rural and Resilient, which um, uh, focuses on the stories of entrepreneurs. Jeff um, got to speak on that as well. It was pretty fun. So cool. Yeah. Love that. It's so, so important. And um, you guys are just totally knocking out of the park. Um, and I think, you know, having that university partner is, so, mm. it's been so key for VSET. Totally. Um, Couldn't do it without a, a college or university that that wants it, right? I mean, right. You, you know, we sit with entrepreneurs and community-minded folks like you that are that are really undeniable, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to make your future. 
you're going to improve the community and to have these institutions that, you know, have been around and they've got resources, they're steady, they've got ideas. It's really, uh, mm-hmm. really a part of the magic that makes these centers and hubs successful, I think. Yeah. And um, just cur- out of curiosity, I mean, I know you were at Do North before you opened Whirly Gig. Would you say that your work here sort of inspired or, or contributed to you starting your own business? Yeah, I, I really do. Um, I think actually when you were starting it, we were going through our first co-starters cohort, which is a nine-week entrepreneurship programming that I was helping to facilitate at the time. I was a good time to sort of <laughs> see this in practical application as well as uh, teaching it to um, nine entrepreneurs who were looking to build their businesses here in the Northeast Kingdom. So that was really fun. Um, But, you know, both Jeff and I have drunk the Kool-Aid of community and economic development and um, looking at downtown revitalization, the intersection of that with um, small business development, the intersection of that with community vibrancy, arts and culture, um, food sector, creative economy, um, All of those things are interrelated, and uh, I think that shows up in a lot of work that we do all over the place. So I wear um, my hat working here at Do North Coworking. I also am the project manager for the 2020 Vision Project of the Vermont Curators Group, which um, shines a light on arts and culture here in Vermont. Um, I'm a welcome wagon host, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And chief tasting officer. Chief tasting Wirly. officer, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's pretty kick-ass. <laughs> could, could you, um, we have time for a couple more questions here, unfortunately. This went quickly, Sam. I, um, are you sure you're looking at the right clock here? <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> I just know a train's going to come by any second. We know that here by the railroad tracks, which is nice. But um, we often hear that sometimes there's a another business person or a mentor that has really made an impact on Founders, have have you had any sort of experience with with someone that that has really made a difference as you've launched this business? I think my I'm not sure if you you can really put it on one person. I think there have been inspirations. I think a lot of our both of our professional work the year prior, because we were both very much into the the, uh, entrepreneurship work. And then prior to that, the community economic development work um, and, you know, just engagement and learning and listening to all the people I've met um, while doing this community work. But I think if I was to peg it on two people, um, of course, my wife. Thanks, honey. (laughs) her, her, Her grandfather... Um, mm-hmm. Drury Vinton was an amazing inspiration um, and business person. Um, and he was very inspiring in how much he accomplished um, and in, in the fact that he was such a wonderful person too. Um, and that idea of giving back to the community, yeah, and supporting giving back. their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that it's not just one thing, that it's the whole package. Mm-hmm. Um, then Brendan Prusik, my old uh, colleague yeah. from the university the New Hampshire Cooperative Extension. He's a forester up in Coas County. Um, he was such a wonderful colleague um, and supporter mm-hmm. uh, of my learning. I also want to give a shout out to the Vermont 
brewing community, mm -hmm. um, especially local breweries like Red Barn Brewery. I'm going to forget a few of them, but they've just been so generous with their time um, helping Jeff through um, challenges. We're working on uh, getting our canning system up and running. You know, they'll uh, work him through any questions that he has, anything that they have experience with. They'll just give. They're really amazing. It's such a, I think the brewing community is such a unique sort of like model because you would think it's competitive, but mm. brewers in Vermont only succeed when you get more patrons and the way yeah. you get more patrons is by more breweries popping up. So yeah. it, I've seen that just as a consumer and um, it's, it's really cool and it makes it you know, way more fun when you go to a brewery and they recommend their favorite three breweries to go check right. out. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that, but it's always cool to hear from the brewer's perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I drink mostly other people's beer cause I'm drinking my own beer all week. <laughs> <laughs> right. You need a, you need a change. Exactly, so yeah. you need the inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really great. Um, did you learn one thing during COVID that you could share to other small business owners right now that might help them? Wow. That's a good question, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I practiced. I think having a strong partner, whether it's your, your life partner or mm -hmm. your family members, having a support group that's outside of the business is extremely important um, because you can't, you know, you might hold your breath for a grant or some sort of dollars from someplace else, but you may or may never see that. So you really need to lock it down and figure out how you're going to do it without it. Um, and just rely on that support group for all that anxiety mm -hmm. and depression. You'll probably hit <laughs> as yeah. you find out that this is just, it's not really working the way that you wanted it to, but you're going to make it through. You work mm -hmm. on the numbers constantly. You look at the business constantly. You know, I haven't been doing this for very long, but you know, it's, it puts you through the ringer. Yeah. Um, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I, I think some of the most resilient businesses we're going to get are the ones that are started during COVID. So mm -hmm. I think you have a little leg up there. You're already <laughs> working through the adversity. Mm -hmm. um, just one question I want to ask quickly is, you know, speaking of those support systems, what can our listeners do to help support Whirly Gig to make sure you guys make it out the other end of this madness? We'd love to sell you a membership. That's a great uh thing to look into on our website, which is whirlygigbrewing.com. Okay. Um, holiday season's coming up, so that makes a good, great gift, a great excuse if you're in Vermont particularly to come out to the Northeast Kingdom and have a beer. That, for me, would be the biggest help. We'd love to see people uh, in the brewery, and we'd love to talk to them about their experience with the beer, what they like, what they didn't like, what um, we've converted a lot of people to sours, which has been amazing to see. Sam's your lady. Uh, oh, I big, can't wait. Big sour gal. Oh, yay. Great. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've ha been having people coming in and saying, oh, I'll never touch a sour. And we talk to them a little bit about it, talk about, well, maybe it's not a enamel ripping sort of experience that you may have had in the past. Uh, you know you have to name a beer the enamel ripper now at some yeah. point. That's just I, I will brew an enamel ripper just oh, yeah, to yeah, call yeah. it that. But oh, can I, can I get a t-shirt with that, though? That would be a great t-shirt. Yeah. Thank you. The enamel <laughs> ripper. Yeah. Someone in the beer world is already probably developing it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah we'll look it up. It must be tough to name things, right, with so many yeah. We actually had this conversation yeah, just yeah. yesterday. Um, 
there are every, every kind of beer name you can think of that makes sense has already been named. Yeah. And so the only ones that exist are ones you just, they're jibber jabber. <laughs> so our latest uh, beer name um, is Floating Helicopters. It's nice. Amazing. Yeah. But, but our, our namesake you know. is the Whirly Gig, so, which is also called a helicopter mm-hmm. um, seed. So it makes some sense. Yeah. But floating, but I mean, when yeah. we started out very early on, we were trying to uh, only have descriptive titles. So house sour number one, house sour number two. And like maybe two weeks in, Jeff said, I can't do this. People are getting confused. They don't know <laughs> what it is they had anymore. And uh, we were really trying to have it be uh, that focus on what the style and the iteration, yeah. uh, and we just can't do that. Well, yeah. it's too people get confused. And, um, I, it's more fun ordering it, it a creative fun. title too. Yeah, you know? there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Enamel ripper. I'm totally going to do that if it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Hey Sam, will you ask the last question? Oh, this is the my, tough one. It would be my pleasure. Um, so this is our magic wand question that we ask all of our entrepreneurs. Mm. If you could change one thing about Vermont today with a magic wand. What would it be? I would have it be a more inclusive and diverse community. Mm. Yes. We've been talking a lot about inclusion before diversity. So I think that's that's the key to that. And um, it's needed. And it's needed now. Mm-hmm. Jillian, you can have an answer too if you want. Sure. Um, I think that's the basic one, actually. Um, I think the nation's finally having a reckoning around uh, its whiteness and its the white supremacy that underlies everything that we do. Um, and it's sort of just a foundational issue. Like if you're looking at the hierarchy of need, basic safety is the thing that you need to take care of first. So... Yeah. Yep. That would be nice to have a magic wand, but we got boots on the ground. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Things yeah. are happening. Yep. Let's keep working at it. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for, for coming in today. This yeah. has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series is supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. This episode today has been brought to you by the Vermont Small Business Development Center. The SBDC offers no-cost expert assistance to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Whether you're a student just starting out or an experienced business professional, check out the SBDC and find some assistance. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, write a review, share it. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to work and let's go share a pint of Whirling